Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 36 of the 2021 podcast series and the first episode of the post-draft edition. That's right, we had the NFL draft April 29th through May 1st in Cleveland, Ohio in front of a raucous crowd. It seemed like every time they sang Sweet Caroline, Roger Goodell let that play all the way until the end to let the crowd really have its fun. And it was nice to see players up on stage, a lot of drama coming down to the wire. It was really interesting to to watch everything unfold. 259 picks from Trevor Lawrence going to the Jaguars all the way to Grant Stewart, Mr. Irrelevant going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number 259 overall. We're going to take a look at every single draft pick made by these teams. And we're going to go ahead, we'll start in the, as we did with the pre-draft, we're going to go ahead and take a look at the NFC East and the AFC East and make our way to the West. So we'll start with the East, the South, the North, and then the West. We'll take a look at some undrafted free agents and the impact that might that they might be able to make. And then we'll do a, an early look into the 2022 draft. So we'll have a couple of podcasts here over the next few days, but really wanted to go ahead and, and put a nice bow on the 2021 podcast series, if you will. So we're going to go ahead and get started. We're going to take a look at the New York Jets, first of all. We're going to start, and really, when you look at the New York Jets, you knew with Sam Darnold being traded that the quarterback, Zach Wilson, was going to be the the pick there at number two overall. And and look, they they get their quarterback, they get their guy, kid out of BYU, and a guy, to me, he, he reminds me of some Patrick Mahomes in. You know, I see some of that with his ability, some of the quick twitch ability there on, on the outside, his ability to make plays with his legs. You love the moxie, uh, you know, that he has a little bit Baker Mayfield to him, a little bit of gunslinger to him, and I think he's just what New York needs. Now, he needs to make sure that he doesn't get too uh, too much in with that arm. You know, he can't fall in love with his arm too much and think that he can make every single throw that he puts out there. He has to make sure that, that he's uh, has a good grasp of the offense, that, that really when he gets there with Mike LaFleur, that they sit down and they really work together. Uh, but I, I thought it was really great on one of the draft broadcasts, I believe it was on ESPN, that they showed a play where there was, was Zach, Zach Wilson with that, that play on his pro day, rolling out to his left, throwing back to the right. And who did that? None other than Aaron Rodgers, who was working that offense and Matt LaFleur's offense. Now Mike LaFleur is the offensive coordinator there for the New York Jets. So I I thought that was a perfect pick. Then the Jets actually trade up to 14. And this was where I actually had Elijah Vera Tucker going off the board. I just had him going to the Vikings. Initially, at one point, I had him going to the Jets down at number 23 overall. And I realized... You know, he's not going to be on the board at number 23, but really when I'm doing my mock drafts from now on, it shouldn't really matter where they are coming off the board. Trying to figure out, all right, well, if this person's being taken here, clearly they're not going to be on the board by the time this other team takes it. I just need to trust who's going to be the best fit, and that's really what I need to do going forward. Because you'll see as we go through this, there were some picks that made a lot of sense to me, but I didn't think that they were going to be on the board or there were other needs that we could shuffle through. At the end of the day, if there's a pick that makes perfect sense with a particular franchise, you got to stick with it because if there's a will, there's a way for those franchises. And when you look at Elijah Vera Tucker, he has the versatility to play both guard and tackle. 
But when I look at the Jets, they've got Mekhi Becton at left tackle, and, and I think George Fant's going to get the first crack at right tackle. You've got Alex Lewis and Greg Van Roten there at the guard position. And really, I, I think what you got there with Elijah Vera Tucker is he'll play either of those guard positions. And I think ultimately what you're going to have is uh, I think Lewis will probably be one of the starters, and I think Elijah Vera Tucker will be the other starter. You've got to protect your investment. you got to protect Zach Wilson, keep him upright. We already saw what happened with Joe Burrow when he went down to injury last year. You know, we can't have that happen if we're the New York Jets. We've got to make sure that Elijah Vera Tucker's keeping him upright. So I love that pick there. And then to, to the second pick of the second round, 34 overall, they take Elijah Moore out of uh, out of Mississippi, Ole Miss. I actually had Elijah Moore coming off the board in round one. I actually thought that maybe the Packers were going to buck the trend of not taking a receiver since 2002. Well, I was wrong there. Uh, but I love Elijah Moore here because you've got Corey Davis – and you've got Denzel Mims, a couple of guy, big guys on the outside. You've got Jamison Crowder, who's a polished route runner, but not really doesn't have that speed, doesn't have that suddenness that, that Elijah Moore has. So I think that really rounds out this receiving core really nicely, along with Keelan Cole. You've got the weapons that you're putting around your quarterback now, and so I thought that was a, a tremendous pickup there for the Jets. Um, you move on to round number four, and look, you know the, the Jets need a running game. I actually had... Uh, Michael Carter going to the Jets um, and I had that coming off the board in, in round three ultimately I was around too soon uh, Michael Carter going off the board at pick 107 but look when you've got a backfield with, with a Michael P. Ryan uh, you know Ty Johnson and Tevin, well, Tevin Coleman's in there now, but uh, you know Michael P. Ryan, Ty Johnson, Josh Adams—they combine for about 600 yards. You know Frank Gore's not there anymore. You need to get a guy that could potentially be a weapon in the passing game, but also potentially be that guy that can take over the starting job uh, on the ground. And I think Michael Carter is a guy that can absolutely do that. I thought uh, Jamie and Sherwood. I'll tell you what—he was one of the guys that I forgot about. Uh, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest as I was doing the by the numbers. Because when you look at Jamie and Sherwood, pick 146, the safety out of Auburn, he's a big physical guy. You know, you, you could potentially line him up at linebacker if you wanted to, but I think he'll end up playing safety. You've got Ashton Davis, you've got Marcus May uh, there at the safety position, but as a third safety, you're potentially a, 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 at linebacker in that uh, you know Robert Sala, uh, Jeff Ulbrich, 43 defense. You have a, a versatile guy. Uh, they're on the back end, and look, you know, he's a guy that's going to come with bad intentions. He's a tremendous tackler in the open field. Uh, another guy that I, I love that pick, uh, Michael Carter the second. Not to be confused with Michael Carter for UNC. You got the Michael Carter from Duke, also a safety. And when you look at, at the the safety position, you know, I, I think you know with, with Michael Carter, what you have as well is a guy that can play both safety and corner. You could potentially line him up at the nickel. Um, you know, and if, if you don't have him lining at the nickel, then you've got Brandon Eccles, your sixth round pick, number 200 overall, coming out of Kentucky. Another guy who has has really good ball skills. A guy who has has decent length for the position as well. And, and so, you know, he's 5'11", 182 pounds, but a guy that moves really well at that corner spot. I think nickel might make some sense. The one thing I really would have liked to have seen was was the Jets. Uh, focus on the cornerback position sooner in the draft. I would have loved to have seen them go after a guy in round one. Uh, Greg uh, Newsom the second out of North Northwestern ended up falling to the Browns there at 26. But but I'll tell you what, they did a lot in the draft. Jason Pinnock, uh, another fifth round corner there out of Pittsburgh. A tremendous athlete, a guy that I think has some cover skills on the outside. You have him, you have Michael Carter, 
uh, the second, and Brandon Eccles. You're adding that to a group with Wes Austin and Bryce Hall. I just wonder if that's going to be enough because you're using three guys that you all that you picked in the fifth round and or later on that secondary. Is that going to be enough? I mean, it's better than what you have with your undrafted free agents, but that's the part that I worry most about this Jets draft class. Then you have Hamza Nazaruddin. And Hamza Nazaruddin came off the board 186 overall in the sixth round. And Hamza, he's a 6'4 safety. And when I look at him, he's potentially a guy that can end up playing, uh, you know, rush, rush linebacker. You might even play him inside. He's got tremendous range. So he's one of those guys that I think is really interesting uh, for the Jets. You know, he's rangy. He's a little stiff in coverage. Uh, weighs 213 pounds, but you know he's he's one of those uh, hybrid type of players, and that's really what you have to kind of keep an eye out for with, with Hamsa. Is you know I, I think he's a guy that um, you know definitely will be a special teams guy, but someone that I think if you're bulking him up, you can play him at linebacker, you keep him there at safety. I just I worry about the stiffness in the hips. And then Jonathan Marshall, uh, you know, at 207, also in the sixth round, coming out of Arkansas. Uh, you needed to get another defensive tackle, especially if you're ultimately going to be flipping this defense to a 4-3. A, a you got to get another D tackle in there. You've got uh, Fulleronzo Fatukasi and, and, and Quinton Williams, Sheldon Rankins in there along that front. Um, you get Jonathan Marshall in there for a rotation. Uh, you know, if they do end up running, you know, a hybrid with that that 34 defense, and this is a guy that can play both. Um, I, I think in that five technique and also uh, over the nose. Um, so this is about the range that I thought he was going to go off the board either in the sixth or seventh round. He's six three, 310 pounds. I think there's some versatility to his game though because he is a pretty darn good athlete. Um, so, but overall, I, I really like what the Jets did. I think they addressed a lot of needs. Um, so. You know that that to me, you know, it, their, their picks made a lot of sense. Now, when I when I look at Miami, and we talk about the Dolphins, another team that had two picks in round number one, I, I thought they really hit a home run with their draft. And when I look at it, we knew that they were going to go receiver uh, with that number six overall pick. The question was going to be, who was that guy going to be? Was uh, Jamar Chase going to be on the board? And honestly, I thought that the Bengals were going to go Panay Sewell. I, I changed my vote at the very end and really I should have been smart about it because Jamar Chase look they already traded for Thaddeus Moss his tight end there from LSU familiarity in the passing game so they're going to continue that with with Jamar Chase so that meant that really the Dolphins had their pick between Jalen Waddle and uh, Devontae Smith in the end Jalen Waddle wins out because look he's a vertical guy a guy that can stretch the defense and you put him and Will Fuller on that offense it really makes things interesting uh, you know, and puts a lot of pressure and a lot of stress on that defense vertically. The other thing that I thought was interesting was it, during that pre, pre-draft process, they asked Devontae Smith who he, who his favorite quarterback was. Was it Mac Jones or was it Tua Tagovailoa? And Devontae Smith came out and said Mac Jones. And I forgot who it was that that was doing the interview at the time, but uh, you know, ultimately he that I thought that was telling. You know, that was something to me that okay. If it came down to Devontae Smith and anybody else, it was going to be that other receiver. And Jalen Waddle still has some familiarity there with Tua. Uh, I thought that was a great pick. Then at number 18, for a while I had Jalen Phillips penciled in there for them. And ultimately, I I went away from that. Uh, And looking back on it, obviously, that linebacker position, I was right. My initial gut reaction with Bernardrick McKinney and Jerome Baker 
there on the inside that moved away from the linebacker position. And really what they needed to do was focus on the edge rush. Andrew Van Ginkle was the only guy with, with uh, any production there coming off the edge, especially with Shaq Lawson being gone. Jalen Phillips is the best edge rusher in this draft. Uh, you know, most complete, a guy that can bend off the edge, a guy that can rush uh, on the inside, uses his hands really well, can be an interior pass rusher if you need him to. Uh, the biggest concern for me were the injuries and, and the concussions, and I was worried that maybe that would impact his draft stock. Brian Flores showed immediately that that was not the case. Uh, another guy that I loved was their second round pick in, in Javon Holland. I actually had him going to Miami at one point. I changed my pick, uh, regretting that now. Um, but I look at Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain um, and a couple of guys. I, I think they're they're the, the, the now of the position, but I, I don't think that they're going to be the future of that position. And the reason why I say that is um, I, I think Brandon Jones, they already have him on the roster. Uh, and then after that, I'm, I'm looking at, at Javon Holland coming in there. He's got those nine interceptions, a guy that can also cover a little bit in the slot. Um, has some of that versatility to his position, and he can he can handle that return game as well. You know, you've got Jakeem Grant back there, uh, Noah Igbenogany, then you throw Javon Holland in there. I think they really like what they've got from a special team standpoint. Second round, let's continue to move, and they get Liam Eikenberg, a guy that I didn't think was going to be available there at 42 overall. Miami ends up landing him, one of the most consistent offensive tackles in this year's draft. You put him on one side with, with Austin Jackson on the other, and here's the thing that I love about Liam Eikenberg. You, his addition will then allow Robert Hunt to kick inside, so it's more natural guard, you know, guard position. So now you've got Kinley on one side, Hunt on the other, Matt Skurra at center, and then you've got the bookends with Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg. Love the pick. Round three, Hunter Long. I thought Hunter Long was going to be a sec second or third round pick coming off the board to a team like the Chargers, the Panthers, a team that needs that tight end, even the, the Packers potentially. Uh, but he goes to Miami. And what I love about this pick, though, is you've got Mike Gesicki, you know, the ath athlete there on the outside. Uh, but Hunter Long, he was the uh, security blanket for Phil Dracovic there in BC, a guy that caught a ton of passes from him. And the year before that, a guy that showed he could stretch the, the defense a little bit. He's a really good blocker. I think he'll be a nice compliment there to Mike Gesicki. And look, you know, what is what is Brian Flores doing? He's taking a page out of the Bill Belichick school of coaching. You know, he loves those double tight ends. I think he'll be able to do that with Gasicki and Hunter Long. We move on to round seven. No picks in round on uh, on day three until the seventh round. And you had two within 13 picks. The first one at 231 overall, Larnell Coleman out of UMass. I thought he was going to be a uh, a, a uh, undrafted free agent. I, I didn't think he was going to come off the board. Ultimately, um, I think this is a guy that you're going to stash. You know, you have some depth at the at the tackle position, or really at the offensive line overall, because you've got DJ Fluker in there. You've got Jesse Davis, who who can play both tackle and guard. You've got some of that versatility up front. So, Larno Coleman is a guy. You know, he's got a lot of athleticism to him. Uh, there, there's a lot to like. Like I said, I thought he was going to be a priority free agent, but look, he's 6'6", 308 with really good movement skills. I think he's a guy that Miami is going to love to be able to develop. And then at 244 overall, you got a guy like Jared Dokes. And what I love about Jared Dokes is, is he's a power back. He's a guy that's not like Miles Gaskin or Salvan Ahmed. Um, he's a guy that you know is going to run hard. Uh, the reason why he didn't come off the board sooner, and ultimately, I thought he was also going to be a guy that was not going to get picked. And the reason being is he's got some injuries. He's got you know a, a knee injury that he's battling. And this is a guy that never really fully was able to finish a season. But at the same time, uh, 
36 receptions in his career, a guy that, like I said, was very physical between the tackles, not a ton of wear on, on those legs in terms of the number of carries. It's more so the injury concerns. If his injuries can hold up, he may end up being a steal because I think there's a chance that he can end up taking over the starting job there in Miami. Which takes us to the New England Patriots. Now, New England, there, there was a lot of speculation as to what they were going to do. Were they going to trade up and try to get a, a quarterback? Um, you know, I was fooled by the whole Trey Lance situation. And look, I actually had Trey Lance going to the 49ers when they were sitting there at 12. And my gut then told me Trey Lance was going to be the best fit for Kyle Shanahan. And he was going to evolve with... Uh, with the league ultimately i bought into the whole smokescreen with mac jones again when, when my gut tells me who's going to be the best fit that's where i've got to stick i've got to roll with that and uh you know i'll come out okay when i look at my picks i could have had a good 13 14 picks correct in this draft had i just stuck with with my gut from the from the get-go and not tried to second guess things but i think with mac jones what you have in here he can sit behind cam newton who looks still looks to be a, a one-year rental for the Patriots. Uh, Mac Jones is, is a guy that it fits into what Josh McDaniels and uh, Bill Belichick want to do. He's going to be a pocket passer, play-action quarterback, and a guy who is in, incredibly intelligent, much like Tom Brady. And, and so that, that's really, I think, that, that marriage makes a ton of sense. Then they in round two, they go after Christian Barmore. And I know that there was some talk about him uh, that uh, ESPN reported that there was going to be some, some potential concerns there with, with Christian Barmore, um, you know, but Bill Belichick's never shied away from guys who have those uh, th- those types of concerns. You know, a guy that may not be able, you know, may not be the most coach coachable guy, uh, but Christian Barmore, look, eight sacks uh, this past season as a as a pass rusher, either on the interior or coming off the edge. And uh, a guy that can wreak a lot of havoc on the inside. When you look at the guys up front that they have, Devon Godshaw, Byron Coward, uh, Lawrence Guy, Dietrich Wise, none of those guys can really get after the quarterback quite like Christian Barmore. So getting him there at 38 overall makes a ton of sense. Round three, they're at it again. They get another defensive end who can put, you know, put pressure on the quarterback and they go to OU. To Alabama, to OU, you know, in consecutive in, in consecutive picks here. So at 96 overall, they get Ronnie Perkins. And look, when you put the film on and you watch number seven for OU play, it, it was like it was infectious. You know, he sat out the first five games with his suspension, and then he comes back. And what does he do? But you know, the team suddenly is rallying to the football. You've got four, five, six guys wearing crimson and cream running to the football and it's all because of what he did the first five games that OU defense looked lost you know they, they lost two games after that they were a team that teams did not want to face down the stretch you saw what happened to Kyle Trask a big reason why Ronnie Perkins added to that uh, to that defense 120 overall you got Ramondre Stevenson you get another running back in there you've got James White Sony Michelle Damian Harris you get a big physical back. I think Brandon Bolden's days in, in New England are probably gone. Um, you know, it, it's interesting to see you know what, what's kind of shaping up there. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, he's big. You know, he's six foot, 230, 240 pounds. Um, Spencer Tillman talks about him being you know a big dude with with the with the little man feet. 
really quick feat. Another guy who really rejuvenated that OU offense when he came back from his suspension. So three guys in succession where there were some concerns off the field and really Bill Belichick you know, said he had zero concerns with that. So I love the fact that he, he's got that confidence there. Um, and these are all guys that I'm, I'm big fans of. Uh, in round five, Cam McGrone out of Michigan, the inside linebacker. I thought there was a chance that he could end up going on day two, um, but I'm not surprised. Round round five, look, hasn't played a ton of games, and he's a guy that can stick behind some of these veterans, Dante Hightower being one of them. Kyle Van Noy, you know, you can start learning from some of these guys. He doesn't have to make an impact right away, but a guy that I think year two, year three, you'll start talking about Cam McGrone as this, this inside linebacker, 6'1", 235, a ton of range. I like that pick as well. Then in round six, Joshua Bledsoe, uh, one of the Missouri Tiger uh, safeties. You've got Devin McCourty. Is he going to play safety? Is he going to play corner? You've got Kyle Duggar, and you've got uh, Adrian Phillips. Bledsoe is another guy who has has a lot of range. He can cover a little bit. He's physical. I, I love the pick there in, in round six. William Sherman's going to be really a guy that's going to be a uh, – you know, he has a chance to potentially compete with with Shaq Mason at guard. He played tackle at Colorado, uh, but I, I, you know, I, I think ultimately he's he's more there for depth than anything else. A guy that you're you're going to continue to try to develop. You look at Justin Heron, uh, was a guy that they brought along. Uh, Yadni Kajust there at, at the tackle position. So so now you bring in a guy like William Sherman. He he has that tackle uh, pedigree as well, so he could fill in in, in a pinch. I think just that versatility is something that fits well with Bill Belichick. And then uh, number 242 overall, they finally go receiver and they take Trey Nixon out of UCF. And look, you know, Trey Nixon is no slouch there at the receiver position. I don't want to knock him at all. But you know, when you look at that receiver position and the help that they needed at receiver um, to wait until pick 242 overall, it almost felt like this was just kind of a, hey, we're, we're going to take a receiver just so that people will shut up about us not taking a receiver at all. Um, you know, a guy who, you know, 109 catches, over 1,600 yards, started his career at Ole Miss and then transferred to UCF after his freshman season. Uh, only played in four games this year, battled some injuries, um, 6-2 receiver. But look, when you look at that receiving core, you bring in Nelson Aguilar and, and Kendrick Bourne. Um, you've got Jacoby Myers, who was the leading receiver from a season ago. Nikhil Harry's been a bust to this point. Who's your number one wideout? You know, that's really the big question. You know, you've got John U. Smith and you've got Hen- uh, Hunter Henry at the tight end position. Are those guys going to be your your number one receivers? You know, it, it's it's something to where it, it, I'm not really sure where that passing game is going to be going, and that's really the biggest question mark that I have overall for New England's uh, draft. There are a lot of picks that I really like, but. I still am left wondering what's going to happen at receiver and, and really what's going to happen with that passing attack. Are they really going to be focused on the tight ends and the running backs more so than at the receiver position and allow that, that, that receiver position to evolve over time? Um, you know, that remains to be seen. You move on to Buffalo. And Buffalo, this, Buffalo was interesting um, in their draft. You know, you're trying to predict exactly what it was that they were going to do. Uh, were they going to take a running back? You know, you thought with Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, they brought in Matt Breida. But if you get a, a chance to get a guy like Travis Etienne, maybe you pull the trigger there in round one. Um, I think the fact that they did bring in Matt Breida and you have three guys now at that running back position, maybe they, they said, you know what, we, we have enough there. But you've got two aging defensive ends in Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, 33 and 34 years of age. Uh, so what do they do? First two picks. 30 overall and 61 overall. They get Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. Look, 15 and a half sacks. You can't argue with that type of production. 
he's going to learn from guys like Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, and and that's going to be something that uh, is going to be invaluable for him. But look, you know, he's he was a redshirt freshman, sat out 2020 due to, to COVID to go ahead and get ready for the draft. Um, a guy that played receiver uh, and safety, you know, he was 220 pounds, bulked up to 265. Um, tremendous, tremendous potential. You just hope that he'll be able to build on what he did in 2019. Uh, Carlos Boogie Basham, dude, this is a guy, he, he's 280 pounds and a guy that moves really well for his size. Um, you know, also tr- extremely powerful and a guy that just knows how to get into the backfield and get to the quarterback. A guy who, you know, was a double-digit sack guy there at Wake. You just wanted to see more consistency out of him. Um, but the, the power, his ability to bend the edge a little bit, has power in his hands as well. Uh, love that pickup. Then they move on to, to that offensive tackle position, and they get one of my favorite players in this entire draft. And they get Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa. 6'8", 321. He reminds me of Makai Becton. He's not as big as Becton, but... Tremendously athletic, ran I think a 48640. Um, you know, repped out 225, I think it was like 30 times. Um, a guy that also put up a, a 500 pound bench press, and with his wingspan, that's pretty darn impressive. But this guy, you know, he, he's athletic. He throws guys out of the out of the club. Um, extremely powerful. I love that pick because you've got Deion Dawkins, you've got Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams was brought back, he was re-signed, but you know, this is some insurance. And then you bring in Tommy Doyle with their next pick there in round number five, you know, out of uh, Miami of Ohio. And the thing that I love about Tommy Doyle, he's 6'8", you know, he has some good movement skills, um, pretty physical as well at the point of attack. He reminds me a lot of Cody Ford. Um, they're out of OU, big and physical, and that's really what I think they're, they're trying to do up front is they're just looking to get some guys that are going to get mean and get nasty. Cody Ford's playing guard. And, and you look at, you know, all right, you've got John Feliciano there at left guard. Uh, Ike Bakker is also there on the line. So they, they did a lot really upgrading this offensive line. Um, that's really the big question. I love the guys. I love you know bringing you know the guys that they brought in. But the question is is you know does that mean that there's you know you brought in re-signed Daryl Williams, but what about his future? Deion Dawkins is, is really the one guy that solidified himself in that draft class. I mean I'm sorry on that offensive line, but you know it, it's it's really you know that that's questionable uh, in terms of. Could they have gone somewhere else with a couple of these picks? Um, but at the same time, you have to make sure that you have depth on, on that offensive line to protect Josh Allen. Um, you know, but I, I love, I, I still, they're great players, and I really hope that they see the field early uh, there. I mean, obviously, they'd ultimately have to talk about moving, uh, moving at least one of them inside, and that might mean that Daryl Williams ultimately, um, you know, depending on the development of Brown and Doyle, could end up being shipped out after the season. Marquez Stevenson, you bring him in in the sixth round, you get another vertical threat. That he, he's made for speed, and that's really what you're going to get out of him. You have uh, Emmanuel Sanders on the inside, Cole Beasley, so you've got two slot guys. You've got uh, Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis on the outside. Then you get Marquez Stevenson, who can really stretch the defense vertically. I, I, I like the pick, but you know they signed Jake Kumara. They've, they've got Isaiah McKenzie on the roster. Um, he's going to you know, struggle to to make that roster, I think. This is going to be a tough roster to make. And look, this is a team, though, that struggled you know, with the receivers. They had to bring in Duke Williams um, to, to get some playing time there. But I, I think I, you know, I really like what they've done. They brought in Emmanuel Sanders, like I said. Um, so Marquez Stevenson might be a guy that might see action on the, on the practice squad, at least early on. 
DeMar Hamlin, look, you know, this is a guy I think has really nice cover skills. You know, he's a solid safety. Um, he just needs to continue to develop. But you look at him, you've got Jordan Poyer, you've got Micah Hyde. I think DeMar Hamlin's one of those guys that, look, as Jordan Poyer and, and Micah Hyde start aging, this could be the guy that could slide in and take over one of those spots. Uh, Rashad Wild Goose of Wisconsin, another sixth-round pick. Uh, look, they needed they needed to address that corner position. You had Tredavious White, you got Taron Johnson there at nickel, Levi Wallace on the, at the corner position as well. I thought they were going to go corner much earlier than that six, you know, two thirteen overall. You know that that to me, I would have loved to have seen them take a corner much earlier in the draft, um, in the first two days. Uh, you know, Rashad Wild Goose though. You know, in Big Ten play, was a guy that, that was able to hold down one of those sides, really lock guys up for, for Wisconsin. Uh, and then finally, in, in round seven, you get a guard. You get uh, Jack Anderson, a physical guy there from Texas Tech. I thought he was going to come off the board much sooner than that, uh, possibly in, in round number five. Um, but again, you're talking about physicality up front. You're talking about depth up front. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys, though. You know, and that's really the thing. We talked about Bodker. We talked about Feliciano. At some point, somebody's going to have to, uh, you know, either we're going to talk practice squad or somebody's going to have to end up leaving the franchise uh, because you got too many guys in there right now. Um, but again, I, I, I like what Buffalo did. Um, they didn't, they, you know, really there's some luxury picks. So they, they addressed some depth and you could really see, you know, priority, you know, was to address the pass rush and then also uh, take care of the quarterback. And that's exactly what they did with the draft. So now, we move to the NFC East. And so when we're talking NFC East, I think really the first team that we're going to have to uh, talk about, we're going to talk about the New York football giants, uh, as Chris Berman would call. So the, the New York Giants, it's interesting. Dave Gettleman, not really a guy known for, for making too many trades, um, and yet he, he trades back and... Uh, we knew that they were going to take a receiver at some point. I think that was really what everyone was expecting. I had them taking a receiver there, sitting at 11. Um, but when you have Devontae Smith and, uh, and Jalen Waddell and uh, Jamar Chase ultimately coming off the board, then you know they're looking at it and saying, "All right, maybe we need to uh, maybe we need to re- rethink things." You know, Philly traded up from 12 to 10, and they get their receiver in, in Devontae Smith. So, hey, we trade back. We get Kadarius Tony there at 20 out of Florida. And look, this is a guy who proved himself to be an elite receiver when it was all said and done. He wasn't just a gadget guy when he came in there uh, at Florida, a guy that saw you know a lot more balls in, in the backfield, uh, a lot of jet sweeps and things like that. This is a guy that was able to you know showcase the route running. You saw it at the senior boy. He was turning guys around. And you look at him, you add him to the offense with, with Kenny Galladay on the outside. Um, you've got Sterling Shepard, uh, who's a guy really that's going to line up there in the slot. John Ross is trying to resurrect his career. Darius Slayton's a guy that can stretch the defense vertically. I like Dante Pettis as a guy that could potentially be a guy over the middle as well. Kadarius Toney is, is that guy that can line up all over the field, not just be a gadget guy, though, can line up in the slot, be on the outside. He reminds me a lot of Debo Samuel. So I really like that pick there for the Giants. Uh, when you look at at the second pick, they're uh, you know pick number 50 overall. They go after Aziz Ojulari out of Georgia, and Aziz Ojulari had a chance to be a first round pick in my opinion. This is a guy who is tremendously athletic, a quick t- twitch type of guy. They needed to address that pass rush. They already knew that they were they needed to when they brought in Ryan Anderson and uh, uh, Fedio Denebo. 
uh, you know, because they, they weren't getting the pass rush that they needed to. I thought they were going to ultimately look at, at a guy like Carlos Boogie Basham. He wasn't there on the board. Aziz Ojulari happens to fall to them. I thought that was great value, as was Aaron Robinson in round number three. How in the world does Aaron Robinson fall all the way there? We've already brought in uh, Adore Jackson, the team with James Bradbury. Aaron Robinson is a guy that can end up sliding into that um, into that nickel position. Has a ton of range. He's 6'1", big physical guy. Uh, can go up and, and, and high point the football as well. So I love that pick. And then Ellerson Smith. If you haven't seen this guy play there out of uh, Northern Iowa, uh, he's, he's a dude that, that uh, has tremendous length. A guy that's going to rush the passer both on you know, bending the edge and coming off you know inside. He's 245 pounds now. I think you would probably put some, you know, put some more weight on him and have him be a five technique and really still be a force as long as he can continue to have that quickness, that first step quickness out of him. But I, I love the pick. You know, um, you know, you've got four really solid picks there from Dave Gettleman. Uh, round six, they get another running back and Gary Brightwell. Uh, I, I, I think Devontae Booker kind of tempered the need to get a backup for, for Saquon Barkley. So Gary Brightwell, a guy that has some versatility. Um, you know, and I know that there were teams that were starting to show some interest in Brightwell. Um, so round six, you know, not you know, I thought he probably could have lasted until round seven. Uh, and then pick 201. This was kind of a head scratcher for me. How in the world did Rodarius Williams fall all the way to pick 201? This guy was one of my top 10 corners in the draft. A guy that can lock down his side in a Big 12 you know, conference where everyone loves to throw the football. They stayed away from Rodarius Williams. You know, and he's six foot, 193 pounds. A guy that I think has tremendous ball skills. Uh, you know, does a really good job with his look and lean. And I look at that corner position now. You've got Bradbury, you've got Adore Jackson, you've got Darnay, Darnay Holmes, Aaron Robinson, and now Rodarius Williams. I love it. I think ultimately what's going to happen is Rodarius Williams will probably end up getting let go um, and end up you know, being picked up by a team where he can end up getting more playing time. Because you also have uh, Isaac Yaedem, you have Monte Hardage there on the roster as well. There's just too many guys there at that corner position. But you know, if there is going to be a sleeper in that group, I think it's going to end up being Rodarius Williams because, look, I, I think he's that good of a cornerback. And look, I, I think he's a more complete corner than his brother Greedy. You know, I, I, I think that highly of him. Um, and we move on to Philly. And look, Philly, yes, they, they were picking after the Giants, but they actually traded up two picks to get to number 10 overall. And they take Devontae Smith. They need, everyone knew that they were going to need a receiver. And sitting there at number 12, they just weren't going to be able to get that done. So ultimately, what do they do? They trade up into the top 10. They get their receiver, Devontae Smith, uh, teaming with Jalen Rager. Uh, you know, Rager can stretch the defenses vertically. Devontae Smith can do a little bit of everything. A guy that, uh, look, you know, he, he only won the Heisman Trophy. So, you know, you, you team him up with another former Bama guy and Jalen Hurts, a guy that they, you know, they're familiar with each other, you know, because Jalen Hurts before – he went to OU. He was Bama's quarterback, so they are very familiar. Um, so he's going to have that, that level of familiarity there on that offense. And look, this is a team that absolutely needs receivers. They, they ended up doing, uh, you know, the only receiver taken in the draft, but they did take a couple of undrafted free agents, a couple of bigger receivers. Um, you know, when Travis Fulgham, a guy that I'm a big fan of, but a guy who ultimately was taken off your practice squad, ends up being your leading receiver, you know you're in trouble. Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson are gone. You needed a guy to get in there. And Jalen Rager battled some injuries last year. Get in, get a big-time receiver. You got the Heisman Trophy winner, and you, you got help there for Jalen Hurts. 
Landon Dickerson going off in, in round two. I knew that this was going to be the pick for them. I just had Dickerson coming off the board in round three. But I look at Jason Kelsey, 33 years of age, has one more year on his deal. Landon Dickerson, as long as he can stay healthy with that knee, he's a guy to me that I think is going to make a lot of sense there. Um, take over for, for Jason Kelsey when he ends up deciding to hang it up. And I'll tell you what, they're going to have a lot of fun in that locker room because that's a couple of great personalities. Round three, number 73 overall, you've got Milton Williams. This dude's a physical freak. A dude that's running sub 540s uh, and uh, you know over 30 reps in the bench press at 284 pounds and a guy that just knows how to get after the quarterback. And that's one of the things that you, you've been lacking if you're a Philadelphia Eagle fan is having somebody that can rush the passer. Usually you're talking about Reggie White and, and Clyde Simmons or, or Javon Kurse and Hugh Douglas. Uh, guys coming off the edge but this is a dude that can really get after the quarterback from the interior 10 and a half sacks 19 tackles for loss I, i'm a big fan of my of milton williams and when you look at this guy you know this team on the interior you've got fletcher cox and you've got javon hargrave no depth behind him um so he really solidifies that rotation nicely uh, in round four uh you've got zach mcpherson out of texas tech another guy who's a ball hawk um, you know, a little undersized for the corner position. Guy that's probably going to play, um, you know, in the slot. You would think, but he's 5'11", 196 pounds. I thought that they were going to go after a bigger corner, uh, especially when you've got Avante Maddox playing over on the other side. Um, but I think McPherson, again, a playmaker, a guy that uh, every time you put on the film, uh, when you're watching Texas Tech play, it was Zach McPherson that that uh, was making a lot of those plays and. Yes, it is Zach. There's no typo there. Um, you've got Z E C H. So you know, technically, um, you know that that's uh, the what, what's interesting with him is you know he started his career there at Penn State, comes to to the Red Raiders, and uh, look in 2020 had four interceptions on the year, 14 pass breakups in his career. I, I think he's a guy that's going to be good, you know, a good depth player. I just don't know that he's going to end up being a starter there. Um, in round five, I thought they got one of the steals of the draft with uh, Kenneth Gamewell falling to them. You've got Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Jason Huntley, Jordan Howard. But Kenneth Gamewell is a guy that, that brings a completely different dynamic to this offense. This is a guy over 1,600 yards on the ground and also I believe it was 50 receptions. And he was an explosive playmaker there for Memphis. I think he fell because he sat out the 2020 season and he was only a redshirt freshman. So now, you know, as a redshirt sophomore, draft eligible, and, uh, you know, he's not the biggest guy, may not be the bell cow. I think you've got Miles Sanders there, but Kenneth Gamewell, you get on the ball in space, especially in the passing game, I think you've got something there. If I'm Boston Scott, I worry about my uh, my status there with the program. So at round six, they get a couple of, uh, of defensive linemen and a couple of guys that I'm a big fan of. I think Marlon Tuli Pelotu out of USC, um, they're at defensive tackle, has a chance to be a, a rotation guy there uh, for the Eagles. He's big, he's physical, but he, he has a pretty nice get-off. Uses his hands really well to get off blocks as well. And then Taron Jackson out of Coastal Carolina, uh, the edge rusher. And look, when you've got Derek Barnett, the aging Brandon Graham, who still gets after the quarterback, and Josh Sweat, you need another guy there on the edge. And uh, that, that's where I think Taron Jackson can come into play. Uh, for the Chanticleers, he was really the heart and soul of that defense. And he was a guy that was coming off the edge, getting after the quarterback, and uh, a guy that was really making a name for himself. And look, you know, when you look at his career, 42 tackles for loss, 24 and a half sacks, six forced fumbles. And yeah, you know, he wasn't the, me the best athlete on his pro day. Uh, didn't show up as the best athlete, but look, 
measurables aren't the only thing. Turn on the film, you're going to see the guy, a guy that has a tireless work ethic, a guy that's always getting after the quarterback, always looking to try to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. I love that pick. And then round number six and round number seven. They get a couple of, uh, of rotational guys here. Uh, and Jacoby Stevens is the first guy. Um, he's 6'1", you know, 230 pounds, uh, a safety there for LSU, but also played in the box a lot at, at that linebacker position. And look, he's one of those new age linebackers, and they need linebackers. Right now, they're starters, you know, with Alex Singleton, who had a, a huge year, you know, over 100 tackles. TJ Edwards there on the middle linebacker. They've got Jannard Avery right now that's going to be the starter. Uh, but look, you know, Davion Taylor hasn't panned out. You know, uh, Nate Gary was the guy that was in there, the, the classic overachiever. But, you know, they need to get serious about getting guys that can play there at that linebacker position in this new age NFL. And I'm looking at Jacoby Stevens, and I think he could potentially be that guy. Patrick Johnson out of Tulane, you get him in round seven, 234 overall. And this is an edge rusher, a guy, 6'2", 240 pounds, kind of undersized. And what's interesting, he's going to end up playing an outside linebacker. Uh, you know, he was a uh, kind of that tweener uh, there for for Tulane, and he's somebody who I'm trying to figure out. You know, if he's gonna, if there's gonna be a spot for him, I think he's gonna be a guy that uh, is gonna end up finding his way onto a practice squad. But uh, I think he's got to be a little bit quicker, a little bit faster coming off the ball if he's gonna end up making an impact there at the next level. And he's he's the one guy that I look at this draft class and I worry about a little bit in terms of whether or not he's gonna be able to stick around with the program. So then we move on to let's move on to Dallas. Why not? Uh, and I'll tell you what, Dallas. I love what Dallas did with some of their picks. Um, you know, and, and I know that some people will will, will 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 doubt that, but what I w- will say is Dallas. I think they were they had their hearts set on Patrick Sertan, and when Patrick Sertan went off the board at number nine overall, Dallas had to improvise. And I love the fact that they took Micah Parsons. Yes, this is a guy who had some of the off field concerns, but you know Dallas, they're not going to be concerned with any of that. So what do they do? They they get Micah Parsons. He's going to be playing there. Va- Leighton Vander Esch. They've since uh, declined his fifth-year option. Uh, Vander Esch battled injuries, couldn't really stay on the field. In Micah Parsons, you get a guy who can also be an edge rusher. This is a guy that can get after the quarterback. He's going to help Demarcus Lawrence, especially now that you know Tyrone uh, Crawford uh, retired. So you're going to get a guy who can rush the passer. He's still developing, dropping into coverage. I love the pick, though, for, for Dallas. He's a guy that I think can really be that, that cornerstone of that defense uh, right there in the middle. You know, something that they've kind of been lacking. Then you get Kelvin Joseph, the, the corner out of Kentucky. You know, uh, second round pick, 44 overall, and they needed a corner opposite Trevon Diggs. And look, they didn't get Patrick Sertan. So I think Kelvin Joseph is a nice little consolation prize. You know, a redshirt sophomore really had a breakout season, led the SEC with interceptions um, with with four. He's 5'11", 197 pounds. This is a guy who I think could be a lockdown corner. Um, Great upside. So I love the first two picks because they address two big needs there for Dallas. From there, it kind of gets a little weird, you know, with, with their draft. Um, they get Osa Odigazua there out of UCLA in round number three. A dude who has nearly a seven-foot seven, seven foot wingspan, has tremendous arm length, a guy that has powerful hands, a guy that's going to push the pocket a little bit. Um, but when I look you know, I look at the defensive tackle position, they've got Neville Gallimore, they've got Tristan Hill, and Carlos Watkins. Osa Odigazua 
Um, a guy that could play end, could kick inside and, and be an interior presence as well. Um, I thought he would do better in an odd man front. Um, then you look at Chauncey Golston in round number three at, at 84 overall. That one was questionable to me as well, just because Chauncey Golston, when I look at him, he, he, he was a guy to me I thought you could get in round three. I thought that was more round three value. I thought they, they reached a little bit with getting Chauncey Golston, um, a guy who isn't incredibly explosive, but I, I thought he was a good worker there for Iowa. He was a blue collar guy, 12 sacks, 27 tackles for loss. Not a guy that's going to be overly flashy, but a guy that can make some plays. I thought his tape in 2019 was a little bit better than 2020, um, but still a guy that is going to be a nice uh, role player. But again, I thought you could have had him in round, uh, you know, probably round five or six. Then you look at Nashawn Wright, uh, number 99 overall. I don't think many people really had Nashawn Wright coming off the board um, in round three. Um, more of a, of a late day three guy, and there's no not, not knock it, not to knock uh, Nation Wright at all. This is a six three guy who moves pretty well for a guy his size, you know. And so th- that's one of the things that you can talk about. Hey, six three, six four, tremendous length, has five interceptions there for, for the Beavers over his two seasons there in Corvallis. Just five pass breakups though, and you know I, I just. I wonder, you know, what they were thinking when they made that that selection. Ultimately, they ended up taking uh, Israel Mukuamu at pick number two twenty-seven overall uh, there in the sixth round. Mukuamu, another six-four corner. You know, they're looking for length. They're looking to get more length there out of the secondary. And will Mukuamu or Wright? Will they both be safeties? Will they be corners? It's going to be interesting to see exactly how it plays out. But they were definitely looking to get, get a lot longer in the secondary. And with those two guys, they absolutely succeeded there. Then you look at uh, the fourth round. They get Jabril Cox out of LSU, a guy that I thought was going to be a second-round pick, to be perfectly honest with you. This is a guy who showed up at, at uh, North Dakota State and 45-1 and record, so a proven winner. You know, A guy that had over 250 tackles, made plays behind the line of scrimmage, could get after the quarterback, ended up with three pick sixes in his career. So you know he's a guy that can drop into coverage. Grad transferred to LSU, and in his first game, a pick six against K.J. Costello in that game where Mississippi State ran all over LSU. But Jabril Cox, really, he established himself as a leader out of the gate. If I'm Jalen Smith, I'm getting a little worried and a little nervous about my position there with the franchise as well. Struggling, yes, he signed the big contract, but you know the best guys are going to end up uh, on the football field, and, and he, if he's not careful, Jabril Cox is going to end up taking over that spot. Round four, 138 overall. You get Josh Ball out of out of Marshall, and ultimately, as much as I like the pick, you know, in terms of the, the football player, I, I think he's a guy that could potentially take over for Tyron Smith whenever he does call it a career, considering the, the neck injury and the other injury issues that you know Smith's been dealing with. You know, look, he had to sit out all but two games due to that neck surgery, and then um, you know he's missed at least four games in each of the last four seasons. But Josh Ball also has the the history uh, with the domestic violence, you know, off the field. So that's really a big concern that you have there. Is you know, again, if Dallas they, they didn't shy away from that, but you know, a guy that you really worry about is he going to you know is that going to be a problem? Is he going to end up facing some? Um, you know, some of that off-the-field issues, that's really going to be a huge concern You know, if I were them. Uh, Simi Fajoko out of, out of Stanford, a developmental receiver, coming off the board 179 overall. You've got Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, three really good receivers. You've got Cedric Wilson, um, Simi Fajoko, look, he's 6'4", 227 pounds, can run sub-4, uh, sub-4-4. Uh, you know, he, 
he's still working on you know polishing that that route running ability really more of just a vertical threat right now a guy that can stretch defenses I wouldn't be surprised if this is a guy that they end up looking to potentially bulk up and put at the tight end position I, I see some potential in, in being another Darren Waller you know, I remember Darren Waller coming out of Georgia Tech, a guy that you know really wasn't going to end up being an impact receiver. Puts on some additional weight, ends up being the freakish tight end that he is for the Raiders. Simi Fajoko, look, they, they've got Blake Jarwin, they've got Dalton Schultz, they need another tight end. Keep an eye on Simi Fajoko. There's a chance that that could end up happening. Then you move to round six, two picks there. I mentioned uh, Mukuwamu at 227, 192 overall. They take Quentin Bohanna, the big huge mammoth uh, nose tackle there out of Kentucky. A big, you know, look, he's 330, 340 pounds. A guy that's just going to take up a ton of space. Hopefully that'll allow guys like Micah Parsons, uh, Jabril Cox, Jalen Smith to make plays behind him. And then in round seven, they get, you know, depth up front at the guard position. Matt Farniak out of, out of Nebraska. Um, you know, the, another uh, member of the, of the Farniak clan, uh, you know, playing football there in the Midwest. And, uh, you know, Forniak, look, he's going to provide some depth on the interior with, with Mitch Hyatt backing up uh, Connor Williams and Zach Martin. Um, so a few head scratchers in there. But, look, I love the first couple of picks. I really like what Dallas was trying to do. And, and look, it was obvious that they were looking to, to add length to that uh, to that secondary on the back end. So in that, in that case, they, they definitely accomplished that. So Washington. What, what's Washington up to? The Washington football team. I, I thought they were going to go linebacker, but I thought it was going to end up being Zayvon Collins. I didn't actually see it coming with Washington taking a linebacker, especially when they already took Isaiah Simmons uh, the year prior. Um, so I thought it was going to be Zayvon, but instead they get Jamin Davis. Look, 102 tackles, three interceptions, a guy that can drop, um, you know, sideline to sideline speed, tremendous freakish athlete, 42-inch vertical leap. He's the guy that you can pencil in right away opposite Cole Holcomb. You've got John Bostic in there as well. The athleticism there at the linebacker position with Chase Young, Montez Sweat at DN, Jonathan Allen, and Deron Payne at defensive tackle. I really love what Juan Rivera is doing with a lot of this athleticism on defense. Then we knew that they were going to have to get a tackle at some point to get Samuel Cosme in uh, in round two, 51 overall. Uh, you know he's going to end up battling uh, Jaron Christian there at the left tackle spot. You've got Sadiq Charles who could end up kicking inside to guard. Uh, you know Eric Flowers now you know at left guard. You've got uh, Brandon Sheriff at right guard. Morgan Moses at right tackle. Cornelius Lucas is still there as well. Samuel Cosby is a guy that can even kick inside to guard if he needed him to. So he just adds to you know that that layer of, of depth up front. So I, I definitely like that. Um, Benjamin St. Just out of Minnesota coming off the board in round three. I thought that was a round too soon, um, but definitely a guy, look, had, had 10 pass breakups, um, and he, he's, he's tall. He's six foot three. He doesn't move like he's six three. He's a former hockey player. Um, you've got William Jackson the third. You've got Kendall Fuller on the roster. Jimmy Moreland's my favorite nickel in, in, in the league. And then you got Benjamin St. Just, the bigger physical corner. Um, so I, I definitely like what they're doing there on the back end, getting some of that length. Um, staying in round three, you look at the receivers, you knew that they were going to need to get that receiver position addressed at some point. You've got Terry McLaurin on the roster, uh, you know, scary Terry, 1,000-yard receiver. You know, they're holding up that receiving core with, with bubble, tongue, bubble gum and, and duct tape. You know, Kel Kelvin Harmon battling the knee injury. I don't know if he's going to be on the roster or not. Um, you know, Antonio Gandy-Golden battling a hamstring injury. 
his status with the team is, is in doubt as well. They brought in Adam Humphreys to end up taking over the slot, and you've got Curtis Samuel, who is a, another do-everything type of a guy. You get De'Ami Brown there from UNC, a guy that can be, you know, can stretch the defense vertically, worry about his hands a little bit. That's why he fell to number 82 overall. But I think it definitely gives you uh, some of that, that vertical route running ability. Um, John Bates, the tight end, coming off the board in round four, 124 overall. This was a guy that I thought could be had in round, uh, probably round five or six. Definitely a day three guy, um, but I think he's a guy that's going to battle and probably end up taking over that, that number two tight end spot behind Logan Thomas. Um, safety spot there in round five. I thought Derek Forrest could have come off the board in round four, so I love the value there. Guy that's going to work hard, uh, tremendous athlete, very urgent, plays that sense of urgency that you have to love. Um, so you've got Cameron Curl, Landon Collins maybe playing more linebacker. Uh, and if that's the case, Derek Forrest could end up being a guy that can find his way into that starting spot uh, when it's all said and done. I think if he continues to develop, uh, if I'm Troy Apke, if I'm Jeremy Reeves, if I'm DeShazer uh, Everett, I'm worrying about my, my status with the, with the team as well. Um, long snapper, don't have to worry about that. They get Cameron Cheeseman there from Michigan in round six. Uh, round seven, they get in, uh, another edge rusher, another guy that's going to compete for playing time, and William Bradley King. I loved what he did at Arkansas State. I thought he struggled a little bit at Baylor when he was the guy or supposed to be the guy there for Baylor. I thought, you know, against that tougher competition, he struggled a little bit. Um, Shaka Tony out of Penn State, I was surprised that he fell all the way to 246. Um, this is a guy that I think has a chance to stick with the franchise because, look, he was a constant presence there for, for Penn State, a guy that knows how to get after the quarterback. And at the end of the day, when you're looking at this front, you know, it's all about speed and getting after the quarterback. He's 6'3", 252, 20 sacks in his career. This is going to be a situational pass rusher, and if he doesn't remain with the Washington football team, he's going to find a job somewhere else. But you know, you pair him up, you got Chase Young, you've got Montez Sweat, I actually think Shaka Tony has a better chance to make the roster than William Bradley King, you know, if I'm perfectly honest. And then number 258 overall, you know, right before the, the Mr. Irrelevant, Dax Millen on a BYU, he was the go-to guy there really for, for Zach Wilson um, there in that receiving game. He and Gunnar Romney. Dax, Dax Millen, a guy that, you know, is a possession guy. You know, he can get vertical a little bit for you, but a guy that has tremendous hands, extremely reliable. He's going to be someone who's going to fight for that fifth or sixth receiver spot. It was just a little interesting, a little odd that they took him when they already had Adam Humphreys on the roster. So that's that's the one thing that I thought was a little odd with his selection. But a guy, again, you've got Isaiah Wright, you've got Cam Sims, you got Steven Sims. Uh, you know, a ton of receivers on this roster. I don't know how they're going to be able to, uh, you know, they won't be able to keep them all. And you won't even be able to put them all on your practice squad. So somebody's going to be the odd man out. I just, I, I don't know what's going to happen there with Dax Mill. And that's going to be kind of that, um, you know, that big question mark right now, I, you know, I, I think. Um, so we move on to the AFC South. In the AFC South, we have to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Why not? Um, you know, it makes perfect sense to me that we start there. And Jacksonville, we knew that they're going to go quarterback and, and Trevor Lawrence um, with that first overall pick. And uh, you, know, you get your face of the franchise. Urban Meyer came back to uh, to football and ultimately is in the NFL largely because of Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion. You get a chance to coach a generational talent like that. You get Tra uh, Travis Etienne there at number 25 overall. And look, Etienne is not a guy that's going to be your, your workhorse in terms of pounding the ball up the middle. You know, his footwork's questionable. Can't really make guys miss. Um, you know, they're in the hole. 
but what he can do is uh, is be that complimentary guy, a guy that's going to be a weapon uh, as a receiver. James Robinson is going to be your, your power back, you know, running the ball between the tackles. Your Carlos Hyde is going to be able to do that as well. You give Travis Etienne out on the outside, familiar face there for Trevor Lawrence. I think that makes some actually makes some sense. I know a lot of people don't like the pick. They could have gone offensive line. They could have gone safety. They could have gone you know in a lot of directions with this pick. You know, at the end of the day, I, I don't think it's a bad one though because um, it's something that you know. Look, the chemistry there with, with Trevor Lawrence, I, I think you might, you know, he might surprise some people. Tyson Campbell. Coming off the board with the first pick in, in round number two, I like Tyson Campbell. I thought there were other corners that they could have that could have been had. Uh, you know, if you wanted to go corner with this pick, ultimately I wanted to see them address the defensive line, and they ultimately did that with J. Tufele in round four. I just thought they could have done it done it sooner. Um, and when I look at this, you know, they've got Shaq Griffin, they've got Trey Herndon, they've got C.J. Henderson. So Tyson Campbell is going to give you some length. He's 6'2", 185 pounds, runs up 4'4", 40. Um, you know, he's going to give some physicality there to that, that uh, cornerback room. And so I, I, I do like him as a player. I thought there could have been other players that they could have had um, that I had ranked higher, but I'm not going to hate on that pick. Um, Walker Little out of uh, out of Stanford, number 45 overall. This was a guy that was going to be rated one of the top uh, top tackles. Ultimately, ends up tearing his ACL in, in 2019, and then he ends up sitting out the 2020 season. The athleticism, you, you hope that he can end up returning. What you do have there already is you have um, you know Cam Robinson coming back. You got Jawan Taylor at right tackle. Uh, but Cam Taylor is brought back as a fran- you know, with a franchise tag. You got Will Richardson um, up front as well. Walker Little, make sure that that knee's right. He can end up being in, in consideration for that left tackle spot if Cam Robinson leaves at the end of the season. Round three, I knew that Urban Meyer wanted to get a playmaker on the back end of his defense. I just didn't know who it was going to be or when. I mean, it's a crowded room. I actually had Andre Sisco going to the Jags at one point. They ultimately get him another guy who's a tremendous ball hawk. You know, he's a gambler. He's a guy that's going to take chances, uh, high risk, high reward. But when he when he wins, you know, which is a lot of the time, he's going to win in spectacular fashion. 6'1", 216 pounds, 13 interceptions in his career, 14 pass breakups, did give up eight touchdowns as well. So there are those concerns. But I think Urban Meyer, you know, he's, he's going to be okay with that, especially if we can kind of harness some of that uh, – uh, that recklessness there on the back end. I did mention J2 Fele from USC. Um, you know, look, Taven Bryan's been a disappointment to this point. They brought in Malcolm Brown. You've got De- uh, Devon Hamilton up front. I think Tufele is a guy that's going to push for playing time and uh, could end up taking over um, possibly even a starting spot there from uh, from Taven Bryan if he doesn't get things done. Look, J2 Fele, he sat out the 2020 season. COVID hit his family really hard, so it made sense for him sitting out a guy that knows how to get after the quarterback a little bit. Pretty athletic. Um, I, I think he falls all the way to round four because we did, just didn't get to see as much of a body of work as we would have liked. Um, Jordan Smith. This is an interesting pick. Um, you know, He comes off the board in round four, number 121 overall. And I like Jordan Smith as a player, but I thought he was more of a, uh, a 34 outside linebacker you know, playing there at, at UAB. Uh, 12 and a half sacks, 23 and a half tackles for loss. Has tremendous length. Um, he's pretty raw, though, as an edge rusher. Um, I, I think Jacksonville, ultimately, what they can do is, is they could potentially line him up there at, at the strong side backer. Um, depending, you know, he did bulk up. I think he was up to 264, if I want to say, um, for his pro day. So there's a good chance that maybe uh, 
they are envisioning him, you know, lining up on the line. You know, you've got Josh Allen there, you've got Devon Smoot, uh, Kalevin Chase on, so it kind of fits that same mold of, of kind of that lighter but very, you know, speedy uh, edge rusher. Uh, round five, you get Luke Farrell out of Ohio State, the tight end, um, a guy that's not going to offer a ton in the passing game, more of a blocking tight end, and that's really the biggest, you know, the oddest thing for me. You've got Chris Manhurts, you've got uh, you know James O'Shaughnessy. Uh, they're at that tight end position, and what else do you have? You, know, you don't have a ton of, of athleticism there at that tight end position. You need a, a guy for Trevor Lawrence. Look, Trevor Lawrence had uh, a really good tight end in Braden Galloway, and it made a difference for him when Braden Galloway came back in 2019. Um, you know, ultimately he, he sat out for much of the season when he was able to come back. Uh, you know, made a huge difference with that weapon up the seam, and they just don't have that on the on the roster right now. Um, you know, I think ultimately they may be, you know, looking for a tight end when it's all said and done. And then in round six, they get Jalen Camp out of Georgia Tech. Look, he's he's a big dude. Um, you know, kind of a questionable pick. I thought there were other receivers that were out there. Um, I, I, you know, I, I just I wasn't wowed when I watched Jalen Camp play. But he is 6'2", 220 pounds. Look, you know, he's only played in um, 20 games over over four seasons there for Georgia Tech. Um, just 46 catches, 786 yards. But look, 17.1 yards per reception. A guy that can stretch defenses, but is he going to be able to stay healthy? Is he going to stay on the field? Uh, I think those are big question marks. And so that's really a, a pick to me that, that you know, if anything, he's going to be a guy that's going to sit on that practice squad for a while. Uh, but I just I wonder if he's going to be able to, to make it, you know, when, he, when he's going to be ready to make an impact. Uh, if we move to Tennessee, the Titans, this is another team, look, they, they – they're never shied away by the, the medicals. And that's one of the things I'll take the hat off to Mike Vrabel. Ultimately, Jeffrey Simmons worked out really well for him. You know, you've got the the, the microdiscectomy there for Caleb Farley, but you needed a corner to, to pair up with Janoris Jenkins. They end up taking him in, in Caleb Farley. I thought there might have been a chance that, that Gregory, uh, that Greg Newsom the second would end up coming off the board. They ultimately get Caleb Farley there in round one. You needed uh, a, a right tackle uh, to replace Jack Conklin. You didn't have it ever since he moved on to, to Cleveland. Dylan Radins out of North Dakota State gives you that physicality there at right tackle. Number 53 overall. Love the pick. Round three, uh, you know, Monty Rice to me, you know, round three, round four, not, you know, not a guy that's going to move the needle. Uh, Rashawn Evans, uh, a guy I believe that his his fifth year option was uh, was denied. So ultimately, if you're talking about you know, they they ultimately opted not to not to extend that option. So Monty Rice is really auditioning to potentially take over that spot. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think has some some ability there between the tackles, uh, more so coming forward than laterally. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that one plays out. Um, I thought Elijah Molden was a great pick in round number three. Um, he's going to end up being your nickel, and so I love that pick there. He could also play some safety, but I think he's going to be that nickel back. Um, so you get Jenkins, Farley, and Molden. Love what they're doing there. Um, Des Fitzpatrick, the receiver, went 109 there in the fourth round. I would have loved to have seen them get a receiver for A.J. Brown much sooner. They brought in Josh Reynolds. Uh, you know, they must really like Nick uh, Westbrook. Um there because they didn't really do a whole lot to address Corey Davis and Adam Humphrey's departure. And they take a guy like Des Fitzpatrick, and there's, you know, Des Fitzpatrick is, is a, a solid receiver there for, for Louisville. 
but I thought he was a guy that was going to end up being a sixth, seventh round pick. He's 6'2", 208, um, you know, over uh, 2,500 yards, uh, 21 touchdowns, uh, a guy that, you know, over the last two years, uh, you know, over 18 yards per reception. Um, he's, a, he's a tall, tall guy, good uh, range, but, uh, you know, I thought that was a bit of a reach. Round four, they get an excellent value, though, with uh, 135 overall and Rashad Weaver, a guy that battled an ACL, came back, ended up with eight and a half sacks. I look at, at that that, uh, that edge rush position. They've got Danico Autry. Um, you know, they brought in Bud Dupree to team with Harold Landry. I thought they could have gone with another edge rusher sooner, uh, but, you know, Rashad Weaver, if they wait until round four, I think they could potentially get a steal as long as, as, long as Weaver can stay healthy. That knee stint holds up. I think they could end up with a steal there in round four. Round six, they get two uh, two guys um, that are going to end up being role players. Racy McMath out of LSU. He's a big uh, physical receiver. Uh, you know, I think he's a guy that could end up being uh, you know the fifth receiver there on that roster potentially. And then the safety Brady Breeze out of Oregon. Um, you know, last time we saw him on the field. He was the Rose Bowl defensive MVP. Uh, sits out 2020. Um, is he going to be? You know, where, where's he going to fit with that that secondary? You've got Kevin Byard and you've got Amani uh, Hooker, who are going to be your starters. Dane Cruikshank also showed off some, some playmaking ability. You've got Matthias Farley, Kareem Orr, a lot of different names there on the back end. Where does Brady Breeze fit in there? I just I don't know if, if he's a guy that's going to end up making that roster. Um, you know, you still you, know, you, you didn't address the tight end position at all. You, you lose a guy like uh, like Johnu Smith. You got Anthony Ferkser really as your starter. Uh, you know, Jared Pinkney hasn't come along that you know the way that a lot of people were expecting him to. So you know I, I'm not sure uh, why that tight end position wasn't addressed. You know it'll be interesting to see how all of that ends up playing out. So then we move on to the Colts and, and the Colts. You know this is an interesting team. Colts sitting there and they, they don't go after a tackle. I, for the life of me, I, I'm scratching my head. They could have taken Tevin Jenkins there at 21 overall. They, they, really, they had a chance to take a lot of different tackles. Ultimately, you've got Braden Smith sitting there at right tackle. Your left tackle right now is Sam Tevy, who was just beaten like a drum there with the Chargers. Julian Davenport's another guy um, who was beaten quite a bit. So really a head scratcher there at, at, uh, at tackle right now, unless they're looking to bring in a guy like, like Eric Fisher, um, who's battling that, that ace, you know, the, the Achilles tear or, uh, you know, Mitchell Schwartz, you know, it, it must mean that Quentin Nelson, um, might be kicking outside the tackle. You know, that, that's really the only thing that I can figure is that there's somebody already on the roster that they're going to move outside. Um, but they do get a pass rusher. I thought they needed to get one. Um, you know, you've got Taekwon Lewis, you've got Isaac Rochelle, you lose the aforementioned uh, Danico Autry, and you you lose uh, Justin Houston. And so you get a guy like Quiddy Pay. Yes, you know, the, the sack production uh, over the four the first four games, only two sacks, but look, a win rate of, of 23%, um, the pass rush rate, according to Pro Football Focus, 25 pressures as well, according to PFF. Um, I think he's the guy who could start right away for them. You got Deo Dengbo, another guy that battled. A, you know, he's battling back from an ACL. I'm sorry, from a from an Achilles injury um, there for Vanderbilt. Look, he he hurt the Achilles and tore it while he was uh, getting ready for the draft. So you know, the good news is is you've got Isaac Rochelle, you've got Ben Banigou. 
Taekwon Lewis, Kimoko Ture, um, Al-Qaeda Muhammad. You've got a lot of guys up front. So you can really have Deo Odengbo nurse that back to health and then have a guy that could be, you know, he can play inside and outside, has some of that scheme versatility. I thought round four was a huge reach with Kylan Granson out of SMU, undersized tight end and a guy that, you know, his hands are questionable at times. Um, he's really your number three tight end. Maybe they're going to be running some fullback there uh, with, with John uh, Jonathan Taylor, Carson Wentz, not afraid to get under center. You know, and maybe they're going to run run an offense, power offense with double tight ends and, and a fullback. Who knows? Uh, but I thought that was questionable. They get Sean Davis in round number five out of Florida. Um, you know, you've got Julian Blackman, who's really been a steal to this point. Sean Davis, though, is a strong safety. I wanted to see them go after a free safety. So it's going to be interesting. Do they end up moving Blackman? Uh, to the free and allow Sean Davis to take over at, at strong safety. That'll be interesting. Then the biggest head scratcher of all, you've got Carson Wentz there at quarterback. You've got Jacob Eason that you, that you just brought in. And now you draft Sam Ellinger. And, and not even in the seventh round at 218 overall. Sam Ellinger, to me, he, he struggled with accuracy. Yes, you know he's gritty, he's a gamer, but he didn't look like an NFL quarterback. You know, Are they going to put him on the practice squad and try to groom him? Is he going to end up being a guy that's going to be more of a Taysom Hill type? And that's really what I see his future being. Um, so if they're looking at potentially develop, developing him into a Taysom Hill type, then okay, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, they get Mike Strahan. Um, they're out of uh, the University of Charleston, the receiver, number 229 overall. He's an intriguing receiver. When you look at, at uh, the receiver position, they've got T.Y. Hilton. They brought him back. They've got Michael Pittman, who might end up being their number one. Uh, Paris Campbell, Zach Paschal, you know, a lot of role players. Um, I thought they were going to go a little bit, uh, you know, earlier with a, a receiver pick, but uh, you know what they do have is a 6'5", 224-pound receiver, a guy that you know, look, another guy that they could potentially move and be a tight end. They can bulk him up too. Um, so it it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for uh, Indy. But I thought there were a lot of picks that they 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 could have made and a lot of needs that they needed to address that they just didn't really do. So left with a lot of head scratchers. Chris Ballard knows what he's doing. Um, so I'm sure that there was some reason behind these picks. But you know, like I said, a lot of head scratchers for me. And then that moves us to Houston. Houston didn't have a pick in the first two rounds. You know, and there's a lot of needs. But I think the biggest need is is you know. A potential replacement for Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson, we know all the off-field off issues that he's been battling. You've got the ultimate um, bridge quarterback and Tyrod Taylor on the roster. So what do they do? They go after Davis Mills uh, in the third round, 67 overall. I honestly thought Davis Mills was going to be the fifth quarterback uh, taken. Ultimately, it was uh, Kyle Trask. So threw me off just a little bit. But uh, Davis Mills, a guy that's going to be able to sit behind Taylor and Finley if Watson's not able to go. Um, I think Mills is, you know, I think really the handwriting's on the wall. We're going to see Davis Mills as the future quarterback there in Houston. Um, Nico Collins, I had him going to Houston, and he does come off the board in round three to uh, the Texans. Made a lot of sense. You've got Randall Cobb in the slot. You've got Brandon Cooks who can stretch defenses vertically. Kiki QT is another guy that's going to be a slot receiver. You needed that big physical presence. Nico Collins could be that guy. Round five, you get Brevin Jordan out of Miami, the tight end. When you look at the tight ends, you got Jordan Aikens, you got Farrell Brown, Colin Waring. Brevin Jordan is going to be one of those tight ends that I think is going to. Um, he's undersized, but he's very productive. If he can stay healthy, he's been battling a lot of injuries there for the Hurricanes, but he could potentially end up being a steal, falling all the way to round five. 
round five inside linebacker. You got Grant uh, Garrett Wallow, the guy who had 250 tackles over the past three seasons. I, I think he'd be a great special teams guy, at least starting out. Um, when you look at him up front, you know, it, you've got Zach Cunningham, you've got Kamu Grugier Hill, you've got Shaq Lawson, you got Mer, Mer, uh, Whitney Merciless. I think Wallow's going to provide some depth there on, along the uh, inside linebacker spot. You brought in Christian Kirksey and Kevin Pierre Lewis. Um, I think Wallow right now is really going to be more of that uh, that special teams ace for them. Um, so round five, probably a little early for that. And then Roy Lopez out of Arizona, uh, 195 overall. I thought that was really a kind of a surprise that they went with 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 him that high uh, but I, I think Roy Lopez uh, he takes up a lot of space he's a guy that you know for Arizona you know I watched him play USC and a guy that you know he can push the pocket a little bit uh, a guy that can take up a lot of space he's 6'1 302 um, he plays with a low center of gravity that low pad level um, you know he'll be a, a guy that might be able to push for playing time there behind Ross Blacklock and, and Jaleel Johnson um, but you know no real playmakers there coming off the edge i guess they were happy with the fact that they got Shaq lawson um you know they did a lot to address the offense not a whole lot defensively and i thought that was really what was interesting you know, their offense yes they needed to get some, some pieces there but i thought defensively um you know they especially losing a, a guy like jj watt you know you bring in malik collins that's not going to be enough up front um so i was really surprised that they didn't do enough there with that pass rush look you know, Shaq Lawson's a nice piece. You bring in Jordan Jenkins, who's been a disappointment to this point. I, I just don't know if that really moves the needle there defensively. But you know, it seems like Houston was happy with what they did in, in free agency. I just don't know that I'm necessarily buying that. So uh, we, we've made it through three divisions to this point. We've got one more to go, and then we'll go ahead and wrap up this podcast. Um, but we're going to go ahead and move to the NFC South. And if we're talking with the, the NFC South, we got to start with Atlanta. And we knew what Atlanta was going to do. I mean, I, I don't think that there was any doubt that they were going to go after uh, Kyle Pitts. They weren't going to take you know uh, success for Matt Ryan. That just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I'm looking at Kyle Pitts, and I see him being a Travis Kelsey type. But Travis Kelsey is meant to uh, Patrick Mahomes. Kyle Pitts is going to do the same thing for Matt Ryan. I love that pick. I think this is a guy, especially if they can hang on to uh, Julio Jones. I know that they've been taking some some trade offers and things like that, but if you've got Julio Jones and Kyle Pitts uh, catching passes from Matt Ryan, I'm Cal- Calvin Ridley. I'm getting super excited because I'm going to see a lot of single matchups uh, with teams trying to double those two physical freaks. Uh, in round two, I thought Atlanta did another great job to get a safety in uh, in Richie Hill, or I'm sorry, Richie Grant. This is a guy that I think is going to start right away. Atlanta, I would have liked to have seen them get an edge rusher, especially with Dante Fowler um, you know, going down to injury. Uh, I think his tour, it was his ACL that he tore. It didn't address the pass rush really at all, um, which was shocking to me. But they do get a, a safety, a guy that's really going to run that defense, especially now that Keanu Neal's gone. Uh, Richie Grant, look, Thorpe Award finalist, a guy that has tremendous range on the back end, a guy that can come up into the box a little bit, has some coverability, love that pick. Jalen Mayfield somehow fell all the way to round three, and he's a guy that I think is physical in the run game. You might be able to move him inside to guard. He might take over that left guard spot for you. Uh, Caleb McGarry has been kind of a disappointment to this point. Maybe he pushes Caleb Gary, uh, McGarry inside. I think that at least gives you a little bit of versatility there up front um, and might be able to address things. 
Darren Hall out of San Diego State, uh, you know, 108 overall. I thought Darren Darren Hall, um, decent player, but I, I thought, you know, if anything, he'd be had there late on day three. Um, it was 5'11", 188 pounds. Um, I think really the biggest thing that sold it was, especially that 2019 tape. You know, he had 16 pass breakups, a guy who also has six interceptions, uh, took one of those back to the house this past season. Um, you know, eight and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. So a guy that isn't afraid to mix it up, um, you know, make some plays behind the line of scrimmage, get after the quarterback a little bit. Um, so he provides some depth there at that cornerback position. Um, you know, obviously you've got AJ Terrell, um, you've got Ken, uh, Kendall Sheffield, Isaiah Oliver. Um, you know, I, I thought there were some better uh, corners out there at that point. So that was really kind of a surprise. But look, you know with all the pass breakups that he's had at, uh, with the San Diego State Aztecs, you know, maybe that's really what sold them. Uh, you look at Drew Dahlman, and what's interesting there, you've already had Matt Hennessy there at center. So then you draft Drew Dahlman uh, right after that. You know, and that's really the question that I have for, for Arthur Smith is, you know, are, are we just looking to provide depth? Is Drew Dahlman, are you looking at potentially having Matt Hennessy play guard? You, know, you already have Jalen Mayfield. You know, that, that's really, I, I wasn't sure what the direction of that pick, especially there in round four, not addressing that pass rush, not addressing, you know, who's going to help with, with Dante Fowler. Barkevius Mingo is not going to really move the needle, in my opinion. You look at round five at 148 overall, you've got Quan Graham. I really like him as a defensive tackle. Um, he gives you some depth there. You've got Marlon Davidson up front, backing up Grady Jarrett and, and Tyler Davison. I think Taquan Graham gives you some uh, a nice player there up front who could also play defensive end if you need him to. Um, you get Adi uh, Ogundeje, Adetokounmpo um, Ogundeje there um, with the 182nd pick overall there out of Notre Dame. Athletic, a guy who um, I think plays the run very well. Um, you know, guy that does a really good job setting the edge and the lateral quickness his ability to not allow that that running back to outflank him um, I think is impressive 10 and a half sacks 15 tackles for loss in his three seasons there at Notre Dame um, he's a guy I think could end up being a steal there are a lot of Notre Dame uh, defensive linemen from Isaac Rochelle to uh, the Aquara brothers you know, guys that uh, come off the board, you know, either late day two or day three that end up sticking around in the league and end up becoming productive players. I think Ogundeje and his buddy uh, Dalen Hayes, who also got drafted, will be talking about them here in the league for the next few years. Uh, you look at Avery Williams, he's a short, diminutive uh, corner, really brought him in more for his, uh, his special teams prowess more than anything else. We already talked about the cornerback position. I think with Avery Williams, he, he might see the field a little bit, but at 5'9", 195 pounds, you're really going to see him in the, in the slot more than anything else. But this guy had nine kicks that he returned for touchdowns. Six punts, three kick returns. He's sudden. He's explosive. They're on the back end of that special teams. And look, I, I think when you look at that cornerback position, you know, sure, he might be able to, to fill a need there because – you know, he's not a bad cover guy. You know, he's just, he's a lot smaller. So he's got 22 pass breakups in his career, four interceptions. Uh, and look, you know, teams really try to stay away from Avery Williams because of his ball skills. Um, really showed those off his first two years. And he really threw away from him his final two years there in the Mountain West. And then at 187 overall, they take Frank Darby out of, uh, out of Arizona State. And look, you know, they've got a lot of receivers up front. Um, this is a guy that I think could potentially challenge for that number five receiver spot. Um, he'll be battling guys like uh, Cordero Patterson. Um, 
Greg Dortch, potentially Olamide Zacchaeus, although I think he's really solidified himself as that number four receiver. Um, you know, Darby's the guy that can stretch the defenses. He can be physical as a receiver as well. Um, but, you know, I, again, there were it was decent value, but I think there are other receivers that they could that could have been had. Um, really, kind of a you know, question mark. But you know that a pass rush, gosh, you know, no running back either. That's the other thing. You know, I, I ultimately had them taking a running back in, in round two and move some things around to make sure that they got a running back because you've got Mike Davis. You you know, what, what are you going to do at the running back spot? You know, you've got Kadri Allison, uh, Tony Brooks, James. I really don't know. Maybe they're looking to ultimately see what happens um, after June 1st. Who are guys that are going to be let go and, and see if maybe they can pick up a running back that way. Um, because right now you don't have much at that running back spot. What's Arthur Smith going to be doing? That's really a big question mark for me. So after Atlanta, then you really have to look at, well, let's go ahead and go to Carolina. Why not? We're going to look at Matt Rule and what he did there with the draft. I honestly thought that he was going to focus first on that offensive line because last year, what did he do? He went defense and addressed that defensive line, Derek Brown and Anitra Gross Matos. And honestly, when I looked at, at Matt Rule, he seems like a guy that would want to focus on the trenches. He ended up doing that in, in round number three, but I honestly thought that Carolina, they had a chance to get uh, Rashawn Slater. I thought if maybe they were going to trade back, they could end up getting a guy like Christian Derisaw to play left tackle. Um, Ultimately, instead, they decided to go corner. And J.C. Horn, look, he's my number one cornerback. You've got uh, A.J. Boye, who could potentially play in the slot. You've got Dante Jackson. And look, when you're going up against guys like Tom Brady and Matt Ryan, twice a year, J.C. Horn's a guy that could be a lockdown corner on the outside. So I, I, I can't hate on that pick at all. Uh, you, Terrace Marshall, I, I thought he had a potential to be a first-round pick. He ends up falling to day two, number 59 overall. And when you look at this receiver core now, You've got DJ Moore, you've got Robbie Anderson, you've got uh, Christian McCaffrey, and now you add Terrace Marshall to the mix. He was a pretty darn good third option in LSU's offense when they had Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. I really like this, that they're adding additional weapons there for Sam Darnold. And then what, what do they do? They, they get the tackle there in round three. They get Brady Christensen. I think Christensen is going to battle Greg Little for that left tackle spot. He he's a, had a tremendous pro day, very athletic, but a guy, again, I thought he was um, you know, quick set a lot of guys there uh, at BYU. A guy to me that I thought was very consistent, you know, natural knee bender, easy mover, the, the kick slide. I, I wanted to see him generate more power in the run game, but I really love that pick. Um, you, you get a tight end in Tommy Tremble, who's going to be an excellent blocker. You've got Dan Arnold. You've got Ian Thomas. Ian Thomas has been a disappointment to this point. I think uh, Tommy Tremble, another potential weapon there for Sam Darnold, could be a better pro than he was uh, there at Notre Dame. You look at Chuba Hubbard um, you know, in round number four, and I think he'll end up being the backup there for Christian McCaffrey. You know, Mike Davis is gone. They need a backup, and I really like you know Chuba Hubbard. More so, he's going to an offense where he doesn't have to be the guy. He doesn't have to create things. He can be a guy that can make plays out there in space, and that's where he can be absolutely deadly. Um, how in the world did Davion Nixon fall all the way to round five? I had him as a round two guy. He was one of my top defensive tackles, uh, a guy who I thought was tremendously athletic, a guy that plays with a low pad level, very quick off the football. 
when I'm looking at that, that defensive line up front, you've got Derek Brown, Ravion Roy potentially there at the tackle. Davion Nixon has a chance to be playing alongside Derek Brown when it's all said and done. And uh, I think you get very, you know, you're very explosive up front. I mean, I love a Matt Rule's done here. You've got Brian Burns, Davion Nixon, uh, Derek Brown, Nitro Gross Matos. I'm still a big fan of Bravion Roy as well. I think he's a very athletic uh, nose tackle. Um, so I really like what they're doing there up front defensively. Uh, fifth round, they get another corner in, in Keith Taylor. Uh, you know, has a lot of length. Um, but a guy that didn't make a ton of plays, didn't stay on the field a lot there for the Huskies. Um, he'll be more of a role player. He's going to battle Troy Pride for that number four corner spot. Rashawn Melvin's also on the roster. Um, so could end up being a practice squad guy. Deontay Brown out of Alabama fell to the sixth round. I think the lack of athleticism really worried a lot of people, especially there at that senior bowl. Um, he'll battle Pat Elfline and, uh, you know, and Dennis Daly there at that. Well, really John Miller as well at the guard position. Um, he'll be one of those guys that'll end up potentially making that roster spot. Um, you know, as long as that athleticism, um, you know, he watches that weight. He was down 20 pounds uh, already, I think, when they did the medical checks um, since the Senior Bowl. So hopefully you know, he can keep that weight under control. If he does, he'll make the roster and could potentially end up working his way into the starting spot. Um, Shai Smith there at number six uh, in the sixth round, 204 overall. I like him out of the slot. You know, you look at DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Terrace Marshall. They're going to work on the outside. Shai Smith there in the slot is going to be a really interesting guy. You're getting another weapon there for Sam Darnold. Love that pick late. Uh, Thomas Fletcher, the long snapper there out of Alabama, picked uh, 222 overall. Top long snapper, in my opinion, in this draft. You've got uh, J.J. Jansen already uh, on the roster. But look, you know, with J.J. Jansen, um, you know, he's not going to be around for forever. And uh, he's a guy who's 35 years of age, so he's getting up there. And, uh, you know, if I'm Thomas Fletcher, I'm getting excited. I learned from one of the veterans in the league and end up taking over the spot uh, when it's all said and done. And then Phil Hoskins going to provide some depth there at the defensive tackle position, number 232 overall out of Kentucky. Um, so I thought Carolina did a lot of nice things there in the draft. Um, uh, again, I would have loved to have seen them go tackle first. But when you get the number one corner in the draft, it's kind of hard to really hate that, hate on that pick too much at all. Um, so then we move on to New Orleans. And we look at what the Saints did. And the Saints, they, they're probably the biggest head scratcher of them all. So in round number one, I'm looking at this roster and I'm thinking, well, they could go receiver. They could definitely go receiver. There are a lot of receivers on the board. Uh, you lost Emmanuel Sanders. You need a receiver. So they go receiver, right? Maybe they go with a, a defensive end prospect. Um, you know, they've got Davenport and, and Cameron Jordan. They lost Trey Hendrickson. Uh, Tano Passanio is not going to really move the needle, but he's a nice, you know, role player. You could use another corner opposite Marshawn Lattimore. They do end up going edge rusher, but they go Peyton Turner, a guy that I thought was going to be a day two guy, you know, mid to late day two. Um, you know, look, Peyton Turner has tremendous length. You know, he's 6'5", 270 pounds, a guy that can you know, bend, bend the corner coming off the edge. Um, you know, a guy that um, through five games had 10.5 tackles for loss and five sacks in 2020. Uh, nine pass breakups, uses that length to his advantage. But a guy who I think is still a developmental defensive end. So to take him at number 28 overall, huge head scratcher. 
I love Pete Werner there at number 60 overall. Some people might have thought that that was a little high for him, but I think this guy has a chance to be either a starting middle linebacker or you know even at the will. You've got Demario Davis there, so you pair him up with, with Pete Werner. I, I honestly thought that Nick Bolton was going to be the guy to play there in uh, in New Orleans. Pete Werner is another guy. Look, he's 6'3", 240 pounds. Uh, it runs really well, so I like what they did there with Pete Werner. Paulson Adebo, I actually had this pick. I picked this one. Uh, Adebo going to them in round number three out of Stanford. Um, again, they need that cornerback position. Paulson Adebo, 6'1", 190 pounds. 28 pass breakups in his career. Tremendous as a freshman. You know, he, he was a former four-star receiver. Really read the routes and was running the routes better than the receivers. The problem was, was he then started gambling a little bit too much and really fell for a lot of double moves. Was picked on quite a bit. If they can keep him under control and kind of harness things, he might have something there. Um, right now, you know, you'll at least be able to learn from some of the best in, in Patrick Lattimore. I'm sorry, uh, Marshawn Lattimore and Patrick Robinson. Then it really gets weird. You have Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill on the roster, and you go after, I guess, a, a lookalike for, for Drew Brees, you know, Chase Daniel. You, know, you, you take Ian Book, and I'm not hating on the fact that they drafted Ian Book, but Ian Book should have been a sixth, seventh round pick. Why is he being taken number 133 overall? That, I mean, that just was staggering to me. Why? I don't know that anybody, any team really had him on the radar you know, in the fourth round. That was really uh, a shock. Um, I think everybody had a, a seventh round grade for him at that point. Um, you know, look, another guy who's a gamer, a guy who's very intelligent, um, a guy that didn't make too many mistakes there for Notre Dame. And so he was a big reason why um, Notre Dame was in a lot of the games that they were in. He's not very big. He's six foot two eleven, but that's not going to scare Sean Payton or the Saints. Um, Sixty-three point eight percent completion percentage in his career. Seventy-two touchdowns, twenty interceptions. Um, it's just kind of weird that that was the pick um, when, when they took him. Um, Landon Young out of Kentucky. I love this pick though. They're in round number six, two hundred six overall. I thought he could have gone a, a round earlier. This guy's going to provide good depth behind Taron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek there at, at tackle. A guy that could potentially kick inside to guard if either Cesar Ruiz or Andres Pete go down to injury. Um, big physical guy, 6'7", 322, known um, you know, from that Kentucky power running game. And then in round seven, they go with Kawan Baker out of South Alabama. So you wait until round seven to address the receiver position. You've got Michael Thomas, you've got Traquan Smith, and then everybody else. You know, There's Marquez Callaway on, on the roster, Deontay Harris, Little Jordan Humphrey was catching passes, Jordan Johnson, Kawan Baker. There are so many receivers in this draft that, you, that could have been had, that they could have drafted at some point, and they wait until round seven. And look, I actually am a big fan of Kawan Baker. I just don't think he's the only guy that you draft. I like Kawan Baker. I think he'll end up making the roster. He's 6'1", 215. Uh, he's a strong, physical guy. Um, you know, 126 receptions for, for the Jaguars, over 1,800 yards, 16 touchdowns. Also had 92 carries and 11 touchdowns on the ground. Um, so he's a versatile weapon there for, for South Alabama and a guy that I think can also be very versatile there for New Orleans. It's just surprising that they didn't go with another receiver, especially when they were reaching for, uh, for Patrick Turner and Ian Book. I thought those two were, were the biggest reaches of all. And I mean, especially when you look at it, you know, Turner's not going to start over Cam Jordan. He may not really start over, over Marcus Davenport either. You had to replace Trey Hendrickson, and 
you know, you had to replace Jared Cook, your tight end. You had to replace Emmanuel Sanders. You had to replace Sheldon uh, Rankins there at defensive tackle. No defensive tackles taken. Uh, you drafted Peyton Turner, who was a reach there at defensive end. Your tight end, non-existent as well in this draft. So your tight ends are going to be Adam Troutman, Nick Vanette, um, Garrett Griffin. Um, you know, really, they didn't address that tight end position either. And then um, Emmanuel Sanders there at, at the receiver position. So we, we've covered pretty much everything here with, with the Saints. I think it was probably one of the biggest head scratchers and the biggest question marks. I think when Peyton Turner's name was called, my jaw hit the floor because I, I was convinced it was going to be a receiver. Uh, but we'll see. Hopefully Peyton Turner ends up being a double-digit sack guy and you know he can turn to everyone and say, I told you so. You know, look, you know Trey Hendrickson, I loved him uh, coming out of SMU and, and a guy that ultimately lined up opposite Cameron Jordan and was a double-digit sack guy. I, I think Cameron Jordan is a good enough player to make guys opposite him play, you know, elevate their level of play. And so I'm looking at, at uh, Peyton Turner. Maybe that's what they're expecting to have happen here. I'm just a little skeptical right now. So we've been through the first four divisions. We've got four more to go. So we'll do that in a couple of days in our next podcast. But we're going to go ahead and call this a podcast now. Episode 36 in the books. The first post-draft edition of the Ready for the Draft podcast. And like I said, we'll do this all over again in a couple of days. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Enjoy the rest of your week, everyone. Take care. And until next time, I am out of here.